Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Front Office U podcast. My name is Ryan Carney. I will be hosting today's episode. We have a very special episode today, actually the first episode in a new series. We'll be starting Women in Sports Wednesdays. We have a very special guest joining us to highlight some uh, key experiences and other influential women who work in the sports industry. Joining me on today's podcast from a host standpoint is Victor Anderson. Victor, how are you doing today? I'm uh, doing good. We had a kind of a free day yesterday. I don't know if you guys can tell, but uh, not everyone on the podcast could tell, but I am very sunburned. So I will try my best to, to not look like I'm you know, dying over here. But besides that, I'm having a blast. Well, that's that's good. You know, get the uh, get the aloe going uh, when when you're done with the podcast and, and feeling a little better. But hopefully it doesn't impact anything podcast wise for today's show. And let's just dive into it. We got a really special guest on our show today. Sydney Del Contivo joining us on today's podcast has a lot of experience working in hockey already early on uh, while she is still in college. So, Sydney, I mean, first of all, welcome onto the show and uh, just kind of give our listeners a little bit better insight into to first of all like what brought your interest in sports what is what is it about sports that you're you're so passionate about and, and you're pursuing your career uh you know working in sports well first of all thanks for having me on guys I'm happy to be here um yeah I mean I grew up in a baseball family my uncle played all the way through college um and coaches local high school baseball here and so sports was kind of always around for me growing up and I became a hockey fan kind of around when I was 13 and um have have stuck with that since then and um yeah I get a bit of a bad rep for being a hockey fan in a baseball family but it's all good with me hey I'm uh I'm all for it too uh awesome to hear that you've got <laughs> those family connections uh that you know bring you into working uh in sports which you do now uh and before we kind of dive into to some of those you know influential women and and some people that you may look up to uh you know who do currently work in sports talk a little bit about some of your background how did you end up choosing the college that you did where you're at now in university uh and, and also uh, a little bit about your uh interest in terms of majoring I know you've had some background in both like the law side of things and legal studies, uh, as well as that sports side. So talk a little bit about how you kind of got to the position uh, that you're at now. Yeah, so bit of a bit of an answer, I guess. So I, um, I entered the college admissions process knowing that I wanted to go to school for sports management. So that really narrowed down where I wanted to go to school. So I was looking at schools then that had a hockey team. So I was looking mainly in the Northeast and the Midwest. Um, and I kind of narrowed it down just to keep my options open. I applied to a couple of schools here in Florida um, and uh, ended up getting into UMass Amherst Eisenberg School of Management um, for sports management and was pretty gung-ho on going there and um, got down to February and went up and toured and just was like, this is not where I want to be. This is a little too rural. And um didn't really get the vibe that I thought I was going to have while I was up there. And, um, you know, the program was great. The, the professors were fantastic. It just didn't feel like where I was supposed to be. And um, which is funny because that was kind of all I wanted was to, you know, was to go there. And, and it was perfect situation with the American Hockey League being up the road. Um, and my, my end goal is to, to be an NHL GM. So that put me in that stratosphere of I was going to go to school for four years and be done and then be on my path in the NHL. And I thought it was going to be bing, bang, boom, easy. But um, once I got there and I realized it wasn't for me, I was like, okay, I kind of got to pivot here. Um, 
And the school that I ended up going to here in Florida, Nova Southeastern University is not not a bad school at all. And I was like, okay, it's not really um, not going to be a bad option to go to school here. And and we're definitely in a good spot. And as I started to kind of think about what my plan looked like, I was like, okay, well, now I got to do all the networking on my own. And that kind of led me into, um, as I like to affectionately say, be addicted to LinkedIn. Um, and uh, that kind of led me to growing my network at home there. And as I started to contemplate what my course load was supposed to look like, I was like, this does not sound interesting. Business does not sound like Sydney. Um, but law has always sounded interesting to me. And, and I was like, okay, well, let's give it a shot. Worst thing that happens is I hate it and I can switch back, um, which actually ended up being the case. But um, yeah, it was it was a long process, but it was something that I think it's something that was passed on to me continually throughout my LinkedIn networking was, you know, don't pigeonhole yourself. And um, I, I definitely pigeonholed myself with my career goals and wanting to work in salary cap and stuff like that. But um, once I got to school and I was like, OK, this is definitely not, you know, I second semester took a law class and it was eight hours a day reading a law textbook. And that was not fun for me. <laughs> um, it was note taking constantly and trying to understand what all these fancy Latin words meant. And it was not fun. And so I came to a place where I said, you know what, I am not enjoying this. And, um, you know, let's let's give business a shot. I didn't really give it a fair shot. Let's give it a shot and, um, you know, take a swing and we'll go from there. So that was kind of how I ended up where I did. And um Again, it was it was not a smooth process, but bumps in the road are what make the journey fun. Yeah, spot on said very well. And yeah, being adaptable is obviously a, a big key and, you know, being able to, you know, be flexible, move around a little bit, change your mind on what you may be interested in doing after you get some experience, um, you know, in the classroom setting on that. So I'm really glad you were able to kind of touch on on some of those things. And then, you know, here you are already going into your sophomore year and learning so many different things about, uh, you know, how you're able to network on your own and uh, what may kind of best fit what you're interested in doing in terms of your long term career goals goals, which, as you mentioned, you know, obviously would love to be able to get to the NHL in a general manager position. So I uh, loved hearing uh, about that background. It really kind of sets the table for us as we kind of dive into our discussion, you know, focusing on women's in sports uh, in general. So, Victor, I'll pass it off to you here. Yeah, it's a great transition because you're addicted to, to LinkedIn, but especially with our podcast, we obviously really look at networking as an opportunity to grow your career path and figure out what you want to do. Um, so the question kind of to follow up um, with that is, you know, what's your approach when reaching out to these sports professionals, um, especially with you still being a sophomore, you still have a couple of years to build those foundations to be able to be successful once you graduate. How does that look like for you on an everyday basis? Yeah, so for me, it started, um, obviously, it started when I was in high school. So it was, you know, I'm. 17, I'm uh, I'm a visually impaired person. So that was a huge part, I think, of getting people to answer me was showing that I had some DE&I in my background more than just my gender. Um, and then it was, you know, I would love to be an NHL GM. I'm really interested in the salary cap. And then kind of going into, you know, I've, I'm going to go to school for this. And um, at the end, I always capped it off with, do you have advice for me? Because people have learned love to talk about themselves. They love to talk about their career paths and how they got there. So it's really easy when you start with, can I just pick your brain? And can I learn a little bit about what you did to get where you are? 
and the conversation kind of flows from there. And if you're lucky, you get a little bit of insight into the way that things work and also just um, stuff like that. So I, it started with just random cold messaging and it turned into, well, you may know so-and-so and that led to, um, you know, oh, you may know this person and that person. And so eventually you build a network just based off of, hey, is there anybody that you know that I can talk to upon, you know, having a phone call with these people? It's, you know, can I, can I talk to your boss? Like, you know, you get to that point where you become really confident in asking these hard-hitting questions um, and you become more comfortable as time goes on. But it, it started with cold messaging and then it kind of grew into um, this, this wide network. I like how you say that being a guy who's in sales, like it's cold calling. I started from the the books of you're just calling someone, but also you're putting yourself out there in a, you know, kind of vulnerable spot, especially for you having done it in high school. Uh, I don't know if RK did any networking prior to college. I know I did my senior year. So I was obviously very behind the, the, the page you'd say of just, you know, getting ahead of it. And so the ability that you were able to, you know, look that, Hey, I want to do, you know, want to be a GM in the NHL. What does that look like? Doesn't matter what, you know, is going on um, in my life. I want to make sure to, to hit that, you know, hit that stride, that goal. And so you ask those questions, like you said, a lot of people love to talk about themselves. There's very few in between that don't like to talk about themselves and maybe their accountants where they don't like to talk in general, um, you know, list goes on there. Um, but like you said, you like to pick their brain, figuring out exactly what, you know, they know as well as who else they know. Um, when it comes to that, like who has been someone that's, you know, you've had like a, you know, basically a role model that has been a woman in sports, especially with, uh, you know, women in sports becoming more and more well-known, especially just the growth it, itself. Yeah, I think, um, I think definitely Haley Moore at the NA, at the AHL, uh, she's their vice president of hockey admin. Um, and she's somebody I connected with not quite early on. I think I was, I think I was in college by the time I messaged her. And um, she's been somebody that has been great to keep in contact with and just be able to send her updates. And you just, part part of networking, a huge piece of it is not who you know, but who knows you. And, um, you know, just being able to build a relationship with somebody and let them know what's going on in your life and share updates and stuff like that um, has been a hallmark of my networking experience. And that's definitely something that I've um, I've done my best to do with, with Haley and, um, you know, obviously with, with assistant GMs now in the NHL, I think there's five that are women now. Um, you know, I had a really cool moment a few weeks back. I got to talk to Megan Hunter with the Blackhawks and um, pick her brain. And that was really cool to just, you know, kind of see how much hat wearing goes on at the assistant GM level and what it takes to get to where you want to go. And, um, you know, I've been fortunate enough to have conversations with with people that are in these really big positions that I one day want to get to or could see myself in in a few years time and um yeah so it, it just again it, it starts with a relationship and it's all about who knows you not not who you know so yeah i i uh, think we all can agree with that on the podcast here it's you know if someone knows who you are good chances are if you apply for that position later on they will have your name there and be like absolutely you know sydney's definitely be at the top of the list and it does help with First of all, getting an interview, and then after that, obviously, you have to be able to, you know, persuade them to to hire you, um, and so on. But the fact that you know you have someone that you trust, especially at a high role with the AHL, 
um, you know, in an administration office there, it's it's huge for obviously your development and be able to, you know, basically have those conversations, being that you're only a sophomore, which it's still crazy to think. Uh, I know one of our co-hosts, um, Nathan, was a sophomore when he kind of started doing his networking. And so it just shows you how people in general are constantly learning how to adapt and network at a younger age, especially women in general. I know I've seen a lot of uh, podcasts coming out lately. So I was kind of curious, is there any podcasts that you listen to that are, you know, women kind of talking about the sports industry? Um, is there anything that kind of motivates you to keep networking? Because I know there's times where you get in like kind of a mentality, oh, I'm there's too many people reaching out to me or it's just, it's too much. I'm just kind of curious on <clears throat> what your thoughts are on that. Yeah, no, I, I, I definitely agree with that. It gets too much right during, especially during the course of a semester where you get to the point eight, nine weeks in and you're like, oh God, there's no time to do anything but school and that's it. And um, so I, I definitely agree with that in terms of um, podcasts uh, with women in sports. I know that there's a, there's a few, uh, not really a huge podcast listener. I'm a big music junkie, but um, yeah, no, I think just watching other people around you and being motivated by what other people do. Um, you know, I, I see people on LinkedIn all the time. I got promoted to this or I got, you know, this new position or whatever that drives you. Right. And as, as a woman too, you've got to work three times harder than any other person who works in sports, just because you're a woman. And then you add on the fact for me that, um, that I'm visually impaired and I have to work six times harder. Right. So just because I've got one less eye of sight than somebody else does. And, um, you know, that's a challenge that I willfully, uh, take on and and love to to beat every single day and and so I think it it's an internal thing like it if you're motivated by external things nothing ever works out your way um, but if you're internally motivated I think things are are guaranteed to go your way. That's a that's a great way to put it. I wish I uh, I wish I had that when I was starting the sports industry and like you said like you get as women you have to try way harder because of just with you know where we're where sports is at still i mean obviously we're getting pushed to you know a better direction but that doesn't mean that you know there's still a lot to work that we can all agree um that needs to happen to, to help women be able to feel more comfortable in the sports industry i know with my organization as it is they do a really good job of having um you know kind of a 50 50 uh, percent male and, and females uh, in the office which really helps um, but kind of going back to like you said you have to try just as hard and especially harder for for you uh, when it comes to like applying for you know opportunities or you know for the future um, you know, potentially GM position or assistant GM um, what's your kind of approach for that how do you like to kind of um, obviously you can do the resume, but do you like to reach out to the person like a year ahead of just knowing that there could be a potential option or how does that kind of work um, on your kind of mindset of, you know, kind of getting ready for uh, your next kind of career in, in the sports industry? Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's just, so I, in terms of now, so applying for internships and stuff like that, I check teamwork online two times a day. Uh, typically in the morning and at the end of the day, and I'll scroll through, see if there's anything that I want to apply for, um, update the resume really quickly, uh, send it out, write a quick cover letter, and um, that's that's the way that that goes. So they're, they're in terms of job stuff in the future, um, I'm fortunate, like I said, to have a really awesome network now, and um, I was able to, uh, to get an interview with the NHL uh, for their internship program this past summer. Um, just purely because of knowing a department head. I sent an email and I said, hey, I applied. 
And this department had wrote me back and said, I'll make sure your application gets looked at. Um, I sent a follow-up email, I think like two weeks later. And I was like, Hey, do you have any kind of updates for me? And they were like, yeah, they're going through applications. I just gave them your name at the top of the list. And, um, I'll make sure that that you definitely hear back for an interview. And if you don't hear anything, let me know. I said, okay. And um, ended up hearing that I got an interview like two weeks later. And um process did not go my way, obviously. But um, it, it was cool to just see that in action and just see like, okay, so just knowing somebody got me an interview. Okay. I have connections as a freshman in college good enough to get me an interview at the company I want to work with most. So I think just just starting like that, right, and just knowing the right people and saying, hey, I applied, not phrasing it as it's crazy, but just as, you know, hey, I applied, just wanted to let you know. Um, but clothing that also, I clothe that in a lot of updates. And I, I keep in contact with people once a month and I say, hey, here's how my month went and um, here's what I did and here's what I learned and here's what I didn't like. And um, not ever in an overbearing manner, obviously, but, uh, you know, just, just starting out with updates and, Again, building everything goes back to building a relationship, right? If you have a relationship, you'll be considered. Yeah, building kind of that foundation from the start and being able to kind of see it uh, take over the the course of your career, right? There's times where um, you never know there might be an opportunity and someone's actually reaching out to you versus you reaching out to them, which fingers crossed that happens. Um, and in general, it's it's really cool to to see that where other people are looking out for you, especially with you know, how long you've either, you know, been in contact with them or like your case, you try to follow up each month to kind of say, Hey, this is where I'm at. Uh, this is where I look to look at. And like you said, with the NHL, like you, you had an interview and things didn't go your way, whatever. I mean, you're a sophomore in college. You still have, you know, a lot of, you know, a bright future ahead of you. Um, but with that being said, um, it shows you exactly how, you know, women in sports, it's, it's constantly growing, but it's what can we do, you know, what can RK and I do to, to help grow the, the foundation as well as just give you guys that opportunity to uh, basically showcase yourself. But I'll pass along here to RK to kind of discuss your experiences um, as well as your next kind of career goals. Yeah, I appreciate that, Victor. Yeah, I definitely thought that was uh, was really good to kind of listen about uh, in terms of some of your you know past experiences. And I think it definitely is an advantage for you, Sydney, being so young that you knew kind of what your passion was from a young age. You were able to kind of target hockey and people that work in hockey operations to you know be able to learn from them. How did they kind of go about their career paths? You know, a lot of times other people don't necessarily fully kind of grasp what it is they want to get until you know much later, maybe even after they graduate a handful of years before they're really kind of able to pinpoint some specific areas they want to get into. So definitely think that's an advantage that you've been able to use. And that kind of takes me into your experience. You were able to get this past hockey season, helping with the USHL and, you know, being remote in Florida, you know, a little bit further away from where these USHL teams are at, but you were still able to help from afar uh, in terms of being able to watch these game flipping penalties uh, and helping the player safety committee with the USHL. So first kind of talk us through in some specifics, you kind of talked about conceptually how you go about finding this position. How did this come up for you as it relates to helping out with the USHL uh, in the player safety coordinator role you had this past year? Yeah, so, well, Victor kind of alluded to somebody offering you the position, and that's just exactly, I didn't even apply for this role. It was offered to me just based off of messaging. Um, so I, I came off of, was like done with school at the end of the day, I'm scrolling through LinkedIn, and I go to my recommendations at the bottom, and I see my, uh, my ex-boss Evan Rand come up on my 
recommendations list and I go through his profile. Okay. NHL and player safety, USHL. Okay. I guess we'll connect. Um, and to, to connect with certain people on LinkedIn, sometimes you've got to send a personalized invite. So I did that and I said, Hey, uh, I'm Sid, I'm majoring in this and, um, goals to be an NHL GM. Um, you know, do you have any advice? And he said, here's my email. Uh, let's set up a time to chat. And I said, okay, I don't see why not. And, um, so we found a time about a week later and, um, Evan ended up, um, you know, we talked about his career and just kind of what he had done and all that stuff. And, uh, I, he was like, anything else? I said, do you have any advice for me? And he said, well, tell me about yourself. And I said, okay. And so we start going through where I'm at and what I want to do and why and all that stuff. And he, uh, he says, I don't even know what to say to you because you're doing all the right things. And, um, you know, what, what can I do to help you? And I was like, well, do you know anybody I can talk to? And he's like, okay, well, email my ex-boss Patrick Burke at the NHL. And I said, okay. And um, he was, he was like, you know, what else you got? And I said, I don't know if you know of any opportunities. And he's like, well, we occasionally need help clipping video with the player safety committee. Is that something you'd be open to, Um, you know, with your vision and everything? And I said, I could try it. I can't guarantee I'm going to be perfect at it, but I could try it. And he said, okay. Um, And so that was kind of how I came upon it. It just purely based off of let's have a conversation and it, it kind of spiraled into its own little thing. Yeah, really, uh, really an awesome story. And I think that getting experience in the USHL, you know, that's something that I was able to have early on in my career, too. And it really just kind of gives you a little bit better insight, you know, working those late Friday, Saturday evenings, you really get a good taste of what it's like to work in hockey uh, at, you know, the the junior college level. That's a lot of times what you're going to get. So very authentic experience for you that you're able to get and definitely look forward to, you know, some of those kind of other opportunities that come up uh, outside of that. But yeah, like you said, doing all the right things, putting yourself in a spot where you were willing to try something, even if you knew you weren't necessarily going to be great at it right away and uh, found out that fortunately it was something that worked out for you last season. So um, loved hearing about that and, and glad you're able to touch on that. And then you already hit on some of the kind of like next career goals that you have, but, you know, specifically looking ahead to this year for you, your sophomore year, like what are some things that are really kind of important for you? Where do you help to kind of look to elevate yourself uh, in terms of your professional development and uh, getting more experience, you know, furthering yourself? Uh, towards, you know, accomplishing some of your goals you have working in sports? Yeah, I think just kind of building on what I started last year with USHL, just continuing to learn. Our committee is fantastic, um, headed by Dennis LaRue, who's, in my opinion, one of the greatest drafts in NHL history. Um, Dennis is fantastic about teaching and and, um, just educating us all on why we make the calls that we do. Um, so just continuing to learn from him and Scott Zalkin and Sean Morgan and Ian Gentile and um, and even Brandon Faust, who's the other guy that clips for us, um, and just, just continuing to learn more about the way the hockey people talk, right? I think that's, you mentioned in RK, just learning, you know, kind of how, how the grind is, right? Late Friday nights, late Saturday nights, you're not going out to parties, you're not doing things that most people want to do, right? You're learning the grind. And um I think that's something that was huge for me was proving to myself, yeah, this is something that I want to do. And I don't care that I'm up at 12 o'clock at night clipping video, like this is fun. <laughs> so, um, you know, just kind of continuing to learn and continuing to um, to educate myself better on uh, and, t- and talk intelligently, I think, about um, these plays that we're looking at and, and continuing to learn and grow, I think, is the biggest thing for me moving forward. Um, and uh, And, yeah. 
Yeah, that's uh, that's really well said. Just learning how to ask better questions too. You know, initially you're just trying to figure out what's going on, and then you can start to kind of dive deeper into some of the decision making involved. And I definitely know that even you know just one year into working in hockey ops at Colgate, like there were so many things I was able to pick up just uh, you know going through one season that um, it definitely uh, helps you out uh, in terms of your ability to you know do your job, ask the right questions, be of value uh, when you're able to you know have a little bit more in depth knowledge on on kind of what's going on around you. So I really enjoyed hearing you talk about that. And uh, we're kind of reaching towards the ending part of our podcast. We like to give our listeners a little bit better insight into the personality of our guests that we have on the show. But I mean, for you, Sydney, obviously you kind of live, eat and breathe hockey. We're always messaging back and forth on on when different things are going on. So I want to pick your brain on on a couple of things going on right now in the NHL to to share with our listeners here. So just give me one move from this offseason. NHL offseason usually kind of crams everything uh, into a couple week portions still have some unrestricted free agents to go but was there one move from this offseason that really kind of stuck out to you as a as a really strong move or uh any kind of offseason transaction that that really kind of caught your eye that we've seen so far this offseason the nhl oh my gosh well one is is tough like i'm not somebody who can pick one of anything so that's <laughs> that's hard um didn't throw out a couple. I, it's uh, fine. <laughs> I I like uh, I like Tampa's uh, forward depth that they've added with Glenn Denning and Sherry. I think that that's been great. Um, I uh, I like what Toronto did at forward. I'm not a big fan of the Klingberg signing, but you know now you've got a bunch of D that do the same thing, so that's interesting. Um, uh, but I I think ultimately for me with the team that I've got winning the offseason as of now is New Jersey. Just kind of what they've been able to to retain considering what they've lost. I mean, they lost Severson and, you know, a lot of great pieces, but I think what they were able to retain and then bringing in to Foley and the other guys, I think was, was great. Um, Fitzy, Fitzy does a great job there. So um, I, I think that they're doing, they're doing great. I, I'm an abs fan. So I'm very proud of the depth that we've been able to bring back into the fold. Um, like the Byron deal. I think it's good. Um, but yeah, so I, I can't pick one. That's tough. <laughs> That's uh yeah I agree with that on uh on New Jersey especially you know losing some of their veteran D you mentioned Severson and Graves uh, as well but kind of transitioning into some of the younger D they've drafted too with Hughes and Nemich coming up so I'm definitely excited I'm glad you pointed them out uh for us uh on that one but uh Victor I'll pass it off to you for for some of your questions here as well absolutely so since you're Avalanche fan I have to ask this question I think this is something that Avs fans get quite a bit but with Landon Scott being kind of honestly just not you know fully healthy and a lot of uh worry about you know his kind of uh, honestly if he has to be forced to retirement i mean we've seen hosa obviously with his kind of crazy um you know ending you couldn't say really injury but basically he's just allergic to equipment which uh, still i think is crazy the fact that that's what made him uh stop playing hockey but what's your thoughts of landscock does he come back if he does and say, you know, I, I'm not sure about his contract, but I think he is up for a contract here the next couple of years or so. Don't quote me for that. But what's your thoughts on him? Do you see him uh, retiring early or do you see him actually being able to get out of this and have uh, more of a longer career? Well, as a fan, I hope he comes back early. That'd be great. Um, <laughs> do I think he's going to? No, I think the time for that would have been last year. And I, I think we're we're getting that. I mean, like the Leafs just put Murray on LTIR. So, uh, or they're going to put him on LTIR. So 
I think it'll be a similar situation where if he's just he's just too banged up to come back. I would love to see him come back, and I think that there's a possibility. Um, but same thing with Kane, right? Like you're seeing, you know, hockey's obviously a really physical sport. It doesn't need to be advertised, right? It's there's it a lot of wear and tear on the body. Um, I think I think Landy's just got too many miles, um, unfortunately. But yeah. Yeah, I uh, I could agree. Being a Minnesota Wild fan, we have our own problems in the organization just with how much <laughs> money we spend on players that we decide to buy out and uh, yeah. you know help for other teams. As you can tell, two teams that you know Islanders as well as the Dallas Stars, who were really phenomenal. Um, but my last question still has to do with hockey. We talked about uh, Carlson. Do you see him being moved? My two cents is the fact that he hasn't been moved now. It just doesn't seem like it's going to happen where he's going to probably try to ask for a buyout of some sort and hope someone picks him up on uh, free agency. What's your thoughts? I know we talked about potentially Pittsburgh, but just kind of curious on, do you think he actually is being moved just because there is a lot of other players that have been getting signed since, and there hasn't really been much, um, I guess there has been speculation, but there hasn't much been much lead way of where he's officially going to be headed. Yeah, well, I, I I agree. I think the time to have, I said this to you too, the time to have dealt him would have been the deadline and they didn't do that. So that's kind of Mike Greer's loss. But, um, and I, I think, you know, his, his two where I think Carolina and Pittsburgh and everybody loves to throw Toronto in there. But like I said earlier, they just have too many D that do the same thing. And um, I don't I don't think Carlson would, would go there. Um, and uh, so, so now that, I mean, Carolina, signed uh, D'Angelo yesterday, two days ago, whatever it was. So I think they filled that spot. If I had to guess if it was going to be Pittsburgh, they've got to move a lot of assets and then the salary has to work and they don't have the space to make that work. And San Jose would have to probably retain something. So my thought was if they were going to deal him still, which again, I think it, it it's past that point. I think they deal him somewhere in the division to a team that needs to make the floor. They that team retains a little bit of Carlson's salary and then they flip him to Pittsburgh or some other place that he wants to go to to be on a contender. But I just don't with the money and everything, I don't see it working. I hope like heck that they don't buy out his contract because that's just too much money. Um you're I mean, you know, San Jose has to retain the money anyway to make the floor. So it's it's a mess of a contract and I didn't think it was great when it was signed to begin with. And I got a lot of heat for that at the time but it it ended up well for me so <laughs> yeah well it seems like you're already halfway through or halfway to being a gm in hockey because there if, if you weren't to, to make that deal i know he's had one season the, the worry that a lot of people always have with these defensemen especially carlson when he moved from ottawa he had a great season moved to san jose didn't put up the numbers, I guess, had some problems with Brett Burns in the locker room and also why I don't see him moving to Carolina. But like you said, the the contract, these long contracts are very, they're very tough if your team doesn't perform at that level. Uh, you see it with the Wild. You, I mean, gosh, you see it with Tampa Bay. They had to ship a lot out just for, you know, basically to be under the, the salary cap. And that's what they did this, this season too with Killhorn going to the Ducks. Um, a lot of big, that signing for them. Well, yeah, <laughs> a lot, a lot of big, uh, big trades, and 
Um, I know RK and I follow it quite a bit too. I check uh, probably my NHL app more than LinkedIn, but it's very close for the the two itself there. Um, but at the at the end, you know, is there anything that you kind of recommend for people who are especially women in sports that they should be doing right now just to set themselves apart from VC, just the crazy life of um, sports as well as just the the level of competitiveness um, in the sports industry? Yeah, well, I, I could be an ad board for LinkedIn. Um, <laughs> I think that's that's been the one thing that I can attribute a lot of my success to is is just getting that head start early. And, you know, it doesn't, like for you guys, I know you guys got your starts a little bit later, but, um, you know, I, I don't think it matters when you get it as long as you get it and you start networking and you start cold messaging and have conversations with people. I think those are the biggest things you can do is just pick people's brains, let people know you want to help. Um, and, and phrase it that way too. Like, I want to help. I don't want to do your work for you. I don't expect you to pay me. Um, just be helpful and, and be kind, um, because kindness gets you places. And, um, so I think, I think that's, those are the, the biggest tips I can give is, um, you know, just, just be humble, be kind, be gracious, um, you know, work hard, um, hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. Right. So, um, I think for me, that's, that's the one thing I can attribute a lot of my success too is my work ethic it's the fact that i'm willing to send a linkedin message and some other guy it's not in um you know for for me as a woman that pays dividends um so i think just getting ahead of the eight ball and and be kind uh those are those are kind of the biggest things i think yeah that's uh that's really well said and especially working in the hockey community it's much smaller than you may necessarily think so you know that word can can spread both for or against you in in a lot of different situations so definitely good messaging there last question for me sydney before we wrap up we've talked a lot about the salary cap on here is something that we kind of bond over every time we're talking about like cap floors and all those fun stuff but at the same time the cap world can also be incredibly, incredibly confusing. Like there's different times where I'm looking at long-term injured reserve or the escrow rates or so many different things that kind of go into the salary cap component. Like, what would you say for you? Is there anything that you're still willing to kind of learn more or things that uh, are still kind of confusing to you in the salary cap world that you're still trying to kind of figure out what all is, is going on there? Yeah. Well, I think, um, I, I love cat friendly. I'm on there all the way more than I should probably. Um, but uh, so they, they've got a, a, like a frequently asked questions page. Um, and that is way easier than reading the entire CBA. I've done both. Don't waste your time on the CBA. Just read the FAQ page on cat friendly. It's much easier. Um, I think something that I, that I love learning about is, is the structure of contracts. So why certain pet players get paid more in their RFA years versus their UFA years. Um, because obviously the age is 27. So um, little things like that are so interesting to me and little percentages of the cap and why it goes up and why it doesn't go up. And like you said, the, the escrow rates and um, stuff like that. So I, I love just learning about the little nuances of it. And uh, I have a, a little conspiracy theory that we don't know everything as the public. So uh, and then there's, there's a lot more that the teams know that we don't. Um, how true that is, I don't know. But um, yeah, I, I think just, you know, my my big thing is I love learning and um, it's why I go to school. It's why I, I read the CBA. It's why I do everything that I do because I love learning. And um, so any any CBA tidbits, I, I love uh, love reading. And um, but yeah, I think I think contract structure is always something that's been interesting. 
Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, awesome to hear about. And yeah, Cap Friendly, great site. And yeah, I feel like it was like years and years into me trying to explore what was going on until I finally listened to like a Bob McKenzie podcast that explained how escrow worked. And I was like, okay, I'm starting to get it a little bit more, but it's always kind of that never ending process. And yeah, like you said, even in the CBA world, you know, it'll probably change in the next decade when we get another lockout or something like that. Fortunately, we avoided it this past time around in the cycle in the NHL, but uh, it always kind of revs its head around. And especially even in the LTIR world, we've seen teams win the Stanley Cup, you know, being able to kind of, you know, quote unquote, manipulate the salary cap through long-term injury. Yeah, reserves, that so. infamous Tampa Carolina, they were 18 <laughs> over the cap. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. That's uh it's it's definitely a really interesting world uh to those people like us that are are interested in it I guess. So glad to pick your brain on that. And thanks again so much for for coming on Sydney. Definitely a long time coming. Definitely a, a really glad that we were able to make this work get you on the podcast and uh as we wrap up, what would be the best way for some of our listeners that may be interested in reaching out to you, learning more about your story? What would you recommend for them who may want to get in touch with you? Yeah, LinkedIn is is uh, is great. And obviously, thank you guys again for having me on. Happy to be here. Happy to help in any way I can. Um, but yeah, feel free to to reach out to me on LinkedIn. It's just my name, Sydney Duncan Tebow. Um, and that's Sydney spelled like Australia. So um, but yeah. Awesome. And we'll throw that in the description of, uh, of this podcast as well for you guys to reach out. But with that, we thank you all again so much for tuning in. Definitely keep an eye out for more Front Office U podcasts. Should have another one out this Friday for you guys to tune into as well. But with that, thank you all again, and we'll talk to you guys all again soon. Bye-bye.